This is an AMI podcast. I'm Juita Gupta, and this is The Pulse. Having a physical or intellectual disability does not affect the chances of getting pregnant or of carrying and delivering a baby. Many women with disabilities have smooth pregnancies and healthy babies. Yet, there is a marked absence of suitable care and knowledge, making the pregnancy journey challenging for women with disabilities. There may also be insufficient or inaccessible facilities for prenatal care or postpartum treatment. Research shows that women with disabilities are at greater risk for maternal morbidity or mortality compared to the general population. While this trend seems alarming, it is also an opening to have an honest conversation about the intersection of maternal health and disability. Today, we discuss disability and maternal health. It's time to put your finger on the pulse. Hello and welcome to The Pulse on AMI-audio. My name is Juwita Gupta and I'm the host of the program. I'm very happy to be with you today and I hope that you're taking care of yourself, staying safe, staying involved, staying occupied as we all stay at home. I know in some parts of the country, of course, you know, COVID-19 isn't really a big part of our lives, but it is something that we're all thinking about. So naturally, I'm thinking of you and I'm hoping that you're staying safe. A lot of people I know have undergone the experience of pregnancy and childbirth during the pandemic. And it's meant that there have been additional pressures. It's been a strange time. It's been a time when you don't have the chance to visit with family or get that kind of support with a new baby. So I really wanted to spend some time talking about pregnancy for women with disabilities. There is a new study that talks about some of the barriers to healthcare faced by pregnant women with disabilities. The study, which is one of the largest in Canada and also one of the first of its kind, talks about not only the challenges, but it also makes recommendations about what needs to change. Hilary Brown is the co-author of the study, in fact, the lead author of the study. Hilary is an assistant professor in the Department of Health and Society at the University of Toronto in Scarborough. She is also an adjunct scientist at ICES. Hilary Brown, welcome to The Pulse. It's really good to have you on the program. Thanks so much for having me. Before we get into talking about people with disabilities, we've used the terms, or I've used the terms, maternal health, maternal mortality, maternal morbidity, And I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. What do we mean by good maternal health? What would maternal morbidity look like? Mm -hmm. So when we talk about maternal morbidity, we talk about serious pregnancy complications that can happen any time from conception and even into the postpartum period. So in this instance, we're talking about severe pregnancy complications, so things like hemorrhage or excessive bleeding, infection, having to be admitted to an intensive care unit, any of those complications that are more on the severe end and indicate a real need for better care. 
You know, to be perfectly honest with you, when I think about maternal health, I think about women in the developing world, places like Africa or India. I don't really even associate that as being much of a problem in Canada. How are we doing when it comes to maternal health in the country? Mm-hmm. Canada does do pretty well in terms of maternal health outcomes, uh, but there are some concerning trends. So over the last 20 years or so, there have been increases in the incidence of maternal morbidity over time. It is a very rare outcome, but it's one that obviously we want to avoid. And not only has it increased over time, but it's also increased in a way that's not equitable. So we are starting to see gaps that are widening across different population groups that are marginalized. Um, And so that's definitely something that needs to be addressed, even for outcomes that are more the exception than the rule. Mm -hmm. And those marginalized populations would include, but not be limited to people with disabilities. And we will talk about them. I, I mean, that's the point of this conversation. But first, just tell me a little bit about the impacts of maternal health. I mean, obviously, it's detrimental to the mother. That goes without saying. But are there impacts that go beyond that, Hillary, for the family, for the community, for small children? What have you what is what does the research tell us? Yeah, that's a really great way of thinking about it in terms of thinking not only about moms, but the impact on families and on communities more broadly, because that's exactly the issue that, you know, if you imagine that there is a severe complication that happens during a delivery and mom has to spend some time, you know, extra time in the hospital or perhaps in the intensive care unit. What that often means is that mom and baby are separated for a period of time. And that has important implications for families in terms of, you know, a loss of that important time for bonding between mom and baby for establishing breastfeeding and all those important pieces that new mothers want to be able to enjoy and that also have implications for for the health and well-being of the baby and the family more broadly. Um, And also when we're talking about severe pregnancy complications, we also need to consider the impact on mom in terms of perhaps needing some rehabilitation and the impact that might have on her in terms of time away from work and extended time away from family across the postpartum period um, and potentially beyond. Um, And again, I'll emphasize that these severe pregnancy outcomes are quite rare. We're talking about you know, around 1% of uh, pregnancies that would be impacted by these things. But because mm-hmm. they do have such a big impact on the family, um, they're, they're very important to look at. So then tell me a little bit about what led you to investigate the relationship between disability and maternal health. Mm-hmm. So there is quite a bit of research out there already looking at women's experiences accessing reproductive health care if they have a disability. And what women with disabilities tend to report is that they do experience these major barriers, whether it's physically inaccessible environment in terms of, you know, getting into a doctor's office in a reproductive health care context, or also in terms of potentially negative attitudes, discriminatory um, attitudes uh, from healthcare providers in relation to sexual and reproductive health. Um, and there's been this growing body of research showing that that also applies to the pregnancy care experience specifically and not just reproductive health care broadly. So we knew that women had been reporting these barriers to good pregnancy care. And from the research more broadly, we know that good pregnancy care, of course, has an impact on pregnancy outcomes. And so we wanted really to be able to establish 
um, whether there were any disparities in uh, maternal health outcomes between women with and without disabilities um, so that we can start to tackle some of these things in terms of providing better care. I'm speaking to Hilary Brown, Assistant Professor at the Department of Health and Society at the University of Toronto in Scarborough and Adjunct Scientist at ICES. Hilary, what kinds of disabilities did you look at when you were conducting your research? Did you leave anybody out? We tried to be as broad as possible. So for this study, we were able to use um, data from ICES, which is the repository for all healthcare data in Ontario, Canada. And so we're able to look at the entire population of women who gave birth in a hospital in Ontario over the last 15 to 17 years or so. Um, and in terms of looking at disability, we looked at women who had physical disabilities. We looked at intellectual and developmental disabilities. And we also looked at sensory disabilities, including blindness and women who were deaf or were hard of hearing. Um, so we tried to be as broad as possible in terms of um, broadly capturing disabilities that could impact reproductive aged women. You know, this could just be anecdotal, but I have heard said that women with disabilities were traditionally discouraged from getting pregnant. Uh, so I'm now led to ask you whether those numbers are on the rise and if women with disabilities are getting pregnant now at higher rates compared to before. Yeah, so we've looked at this actually with our Ontario population-based data, and we do see that the number of women with disabilities having babies is increasing slightly over time. Um, and we estimate in our, in our Ontario data that nearly one in eight pregnancies are to a woman with some kind of disability. So I think that's a lot more common than some people would have previously, you know, suggested. Um, and so, again, that just goes to show the need for providing accessible uh, pregnancy support for women. Um, but certainly that's something that we often heard, especially for women with intellectual and developmental disabilities, for example, who have a, a long history of experiencing um, involuntary sterilization and that sort of thing. Even though that's no longer common um, in Canada, that's certainly in, in, in our history. Um, but yes, we do see that rates of pregnancy have increased over time and, and are now um, not infrequent, certainly. What can you tell us about your results? What did you actually find? Mm -hmm. So looking at maternal health outcomes, what we found is that women with disabilities do experience higher rates of maternal complications and severe maternal complications compared to women without disabilities. And again, these are rare outcomes, but what we see is that it's about double the rate in women with disabilities. So depending on the disability, it ranges from anywhere from about 2.1% of women to up to 3.5% of women with multiple multiple disabilities um, experiencing these serious pregnancy complications compared to only about 1.7% of women without disabilities. Um, so again, about double the rate of these rare adverse outcomes. Um, and that's, so that's for any severe pregnancy complication. We also looked at maternal death, which fortunately is extremely rare in Canada. Uh, but what we do see is that there are about 14 maternal deaths per 100,000 births in women with disabilities compared to only about eight deaths per 100,000 births among, among women without disabilities. So again, about double the rate of a, a rare but extremely serious outcome. Um, you 
acknowledge that the rates are low. And I think we're all glad to hear that. But even for women with disabilities, even if they are at heightened risk, even those numbers seem fairly low to me anyways. Um, why was it important to conduct this research? I mean, are there implications for the system as a whole when we consider the vulnerabilities faced by women with disabilities? Yes, I think whenever we see disparities like this, even for rare outcomes, what these tell us is that there are you know, avoidable adverse outcomes for women that could be avoided through better care. So even if it is a rare outcome, what can we do you know, to make that disparity go away and to make those numbers even lower? In an ideal world, of course, there would be no difference between women with and without disabilities in terms of um, their risks of these complications. So, so these numbers do suggest that more could be done to provide better care. Um, and of course, these are just two examples of the types of outcomes that we can look at in maternal populations. There's room to also look at other sorts of pregnancy outcomes, which we'll be doing in the future as well. My name is Joita Gupta, and with me is Hilary Brown, who is an assistant professor at the University of Toronto Scarborough in the Department of Health and Science, as well as an adjunct scientist at ICES. Hilary, one of the things I've heard is the disparity between women who have cesarean sections um, or compared to women who have vaginal births. I'm curious about whether there was a difference observed for women with disabilities as well, depending on the kind of delivery or the kind of birth they had. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so what we see is that the risk of maternal complications is elevated whether or not a woman with a disability had a cesarean section or a vaginal birth. So that didn't seem to make a difference in terms of the risks of these complications. Um, but what's interesting, we didn't look at it in this study, but other research has shown that women with disabilities are more likely to have a cesarean section as well. Um, and that's an important outcome in itself, just to consider, you know, needing to recover from what's a, a pretty major surgery. Um, that's another outcome that's been looked at uh, in research more broadly um, as well. You know, you mentioned a couple of times that your study deals with pregnant disabled women in Ontario. How confident would you be in expanding your findings around heightened risks for pregnant women with disabilities to other provinces in Canada? Do you think that the trends you're observing are indicative of a national trend or is that a claim you'd be hesitant to make? I think we would expect to see similar sorts of outcomes. The research that we did is consistent with research from other countries, including the U.S., the United Kingdom, as well as Australia, albeit with smaller uh, sample sizes than we have in our study. Um, but certainly since we see findings that are consistent globally um, in similar countries, I would expect to see similar findings in the different provinces within Canada as well. Mm. Uh, you know, I've uh, had some dealing with the public health unit here in Toronto, where I live, and they often conduct prenatal workshops for women to try and get them on, to, you know, for immigrant women, particularly to try and address some of the, the gaps that they might have um, to deal with in the healthcare system. I'm wondering about whether you have any thoughts about prenatal care for women with disabilities, uh, do we actually have approaches that are tailored to women with disabilities that can deal with the particularities of living with a disability and navigating the pregnancy journey? 
That's a really great question. So, so I think the answer to that is that accessible prenatal care is more the exception than the rule right now. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned Toronto because in Toronto, we have this really great program at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre. It's the Accessible Pregnancy Care Clinic run by Dr. Ann Berndl. And it's been created specifically for the needs of women with physical disabilities, including spinal cord injuries, cerebral palsy, spina bifida, and a number of other disabilities. Um, But they have a really neat approach in that they have um, accessible ultrasound machines, they have accessible delivery rooms. It's one of the first sort of programs of its kind in North America. Um, And I think in answer to your question, it really speaks to the need to make that um, more widespread, to have that be how all pregnancy care clinics are set up. And for prenatal care specifically, I think it also speaks to the need to have programs and supports that are accessible and tailored to the needs of women uh, with with different needs. So whether it's a intellectual disability, physical disability, or what have you, that they can get the specific care that they they require and that they want. Um, so that certainly is one of the recommendations coming out of our study. One of the things I've often heard about in relation to healthcare in general is the disadvantage for rural communities where they don't have a lot of specialist services. And I would imagine that prenatal care and accessible facilities for pregnancy and delivery would count as specialist services. Uh, Do you feel that there is something to be said for sort of changing our thinking around how we treat these facilities and making sure that hospitals across Canada, including those in rural and remote settings, are able to accommodate people with disabilities? Because what happens too often is if you're a person with a disability or if you require something that's highly specialized, uh, you often have to travel long distances to get those, those services, which can be a huge impediment to anyone, but I think especially to a pregnant woman with a disability. Absolutely. I think that's spot on. I think you know, as I said, this really speaks to the need just to make pregnancy care accessible regardless of where you live. Um, and I think it also speaks to the need to provide better support and training for healthcare providers as well. We obviously were using big population-based data in this particular study, but we know from the literature more broadly that healthcare providers do report feeling unprepared for providing good pregnancy care to women with disabilities because often they receive very little disability-related training. And so they can sometimes be left scrambling, sort of wondering who they can talk to uh, to receive the support that they need to provide the very best care. So I think in addition to making um, spaces and programs accessible, we also need to focus on um, supporting healthcare providers in their own training and knowledge. I'm wondering if it is all about insufficient training or if part of the problem here might also be uh, ableism or the stigma attached to women with disabilities getting pregnant in the first place. I think it's a bit of both, certainly. I think medical schools could do a lot more in terms of providing disability-related training in the context of not just pregnancy care, but obviously healthcare more broadly. But you're absolutely right. We unfortunately do still hear about negative attitudes towards sexuality and pregnancy uh, from healthcare providers to women with disabilities. Um, But I think training and exposure and support and that sort of thing for healthcare providers can also help to tackle some of those negative attitudes. So I think it starts way back 
when we start uh, training our medical professionals to to tackle those discriminatory attitudes. You know, with the COVID-19 pandemic, everyone has really embraced virtual e-health. Do you feel that there's a possibility there? As I know, previously I asked you a bit about rural and remote communities. Do you feel that there's a possibility there to uh, bring to the table some virtual solutions that might address the gap in pregnancy uh, and prenatal care for women with disabilities? Yes, absolutely. I think that's a, a wonderful thing that could be an outcome of an otherwise you know, complicated situation with COVID. Um, but certainly in the context of prenatal care delivery and even sometimes postpartum care, um, we do hear of really good models where only some visits need to be provided in person and otherwise they can be done by telephone or video call. And that, as you say, can be a huge advantage for people who may otherwise have difficulty uh, getting to an appointment. So I think that should be something that we should try to capitalize on and certainly, you know, interview women with disabilities about their experience and make sure that, you know, they still are are getting the, the care and the questions answered that they need, even if it's virtually. But it certainly could tackle some of those barriers, absolutely. I'm speaking to Hilary Brown, Assistant Professor at the Department of Health and Society at the University of Toronto Scarborough and an adjunct scientist at ICES. Hilary, I want to put a, I suppose, a challenging question to you. We know from other data sets that people with disabilities tend to have uh, higher rates of unemployment, live in deeper poverty, access to less nutritious food, have uh, access to less secure forms of housing. These are all factors that I would hazard a guess contribute to poor maternal health in women. Um, So how do you separate it out? How do you figure out how much of that additional risk is is a factor of someone's disability as opposed to being a factor of poverty or a lack of nutrition or not having access to adequate social supports? What does the research tell you? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And I think one of the challenges for us is to be able to account for all of those social barriers. So with this particular study, we were able to account for an indicator of socioeconomic status, sort of a broad indicator of neighborhood level income. Um, And certainly we do see that once we account for that, we do see a slight drop in the risk. The risk still does remain, but it is somewhat explained by factors like socioeconomic status. Um, But considering the research more broadly, there's also been some great research out of the United States suggesting similar things that Um, you know, poverty and social support and that sort of thing um, do play a role in explaining some of these outcomes. So I think what it really boils down to is understanding how those social factors can give us clues about what we can do to prevent adverse pregnancy outcomes in women with disabilities. So certainly part of it is providing better pregnancy care, as we've talked about over the last few minutes. Um, But it also relates, as you're suggesting, um, the need to tackle the social barriers more broadly that women with disabilities um, experience. Um, Because as you say, they are known risk factors for poor pregnancy outcomes. And so if we can address some of those social barriers across someone's life course, then certainly that would have a, a positive impact on their maternal health as well. Um, I go back to my earlier assumption about, you know, women in developing countries sort of facing additional barriers to maternal health. I remember reading that 
racialized women, uh, so black women, uh, women from racialized communities are again at higher risk of maternal complications and uh, morbidity and, and mortality. How would you say disability intersects with race? Is that something you had a chance to look at in your study? Yeah, that's something we were not able to look at in our data, partly because of the types of healthcare data that we track in Canada. So unfortunately, race and ethnicity data are not included in our large health administrative data sets. Um, I think potentially that's something that will hopefully change over time as there's an increasing recognition of the importance of understanding those disparities. But at this point, unfortunately, we were not able to look at that. However, based on other research in other countries, absolutely, that's what we see from that research that women who are racialized and also have a disability um, do experience increased risk for pregnancy complications. And so certainly that added experience of racism um, that those women may experience seems to have a, a negative impact. Um, and so hopefully that's something we'll be able to look at in the Canadian context as well in the future. I have to ask you a question that might seem a little off topic, but I hope you'll indulge me. Let's say that there's somebody listening at home who is a person with a disability, a woman with a disability, and they're pregnant. They might be hearing this and getting alarmed, thinking, oh my goodness, I'm not going to going to get help at a hospital. I may not even have an accessible place to deliver. Uh, I might face ableism. Um, I don't want to say necessarily how might you go about putting their, their mind at ease or offer them peace of mind, but I would certainly want to ask you in what way a woman with a disability who is pregnant, knowing what you now know based on your research, might be best able to advocate for herself in the system. Mm -hmm. That's a really important point. And I think one thing I'd like to emphasize again is that in our data, you know, again, these are rare outcomes. So, you know, even though we see complications, severe complications in three out of every 100 women with disabilities, you know, approximately, that means 97 out of 100 are not experiencing these negative outcomes. So, Let's remind ourselves, you know, that these are, are rare, rare complications. But, but to your point, I think um, it, it's a challenging question. And I, I think it, it underlines the importance of doing research like this so that healthcare providers are aware of the need to provide better care. Um, and certainly if women with disabilities are also aware of these outcomes, they can also advocate for themselves. But I do hope that you know, we don't want the responsibility to fall on them. I think the responsibility needs to fall on the healthcare system to make pregnancy-related care more accessible um, and to also provide better coordination across services for women so that they don't have to be the ones, you know, going from doctor to doctor and relaying messages. We also want to set up a system that's more streamlined for them. So um, I think one of the outcomes of this study as well is showing us how we can uh, make that system um, more easily navigated for women in the future. Oh, such an excellent conversation. Hilary Brown, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you so much for having me.
That was Hilary Brown, Assistant Professor at the Department of Health and Society at the University of Toronto in Scarborough and Adjunct Scientist at ICES. We talked about Hilary Brown's study, which is available online, that looked at a heightened risk for maternal morbidity and mortality for women with disabilities. And again, I'll note what Hillary just said. It is just a minority of women who go through this, but the findings have broad implications, not just for women with disabilities choosing to get pregnant, but for the system as a whole. If you want to get go back and listen to any of my conversation with Hillary Brown, you can find the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head on over to ami.ca forward slash on the pulse. I'd like to thank Hillary Brown for being my guest on the program today. The technical producer for the pulse is Ms. Srina Abdul-Majid. Andy Frank is the manager for AMI Audio and Paula Deneen is our technical supervisor. Thanks a lot for listening. Stay safe and have a wonderful rest of your day. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.